Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Testudo Times Podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Maryland Terrapins Colossus. And welcome to episode 34 of the Testudo Times Podcast. We're back. I don't know how many of you forgot about us. I hope you didn't because we're still here. Uh, Alex Kirschner is still here. Uh, he did a great interview with DJ Durkin last week, which we posted as a little podcast special. That was really awesome, Alex. I enjoyed editing it, and I enjoyed listening to it. Thanks. Yeah, it was a, a pretty cool time to to get to know him a little bit um, and, and to you know hopefully produce something informative. And it was uh, it was definitely a good interview to do. Quickly, what was the bills, uh, the biggest takeaway you got from that? So we don't have all that much time to spend on it, but what was the biggest takeaway you had from that interview that you didn't know before? Uh, just that I think he's really he's really serious and genuine about expecting to win at Maryland. Uh, you know, we we talk to coaches a lot um, and players a lot in this job, uh, but it's tough, particularly in in press conferences and in media scrums, um, and even in one on one interviews. To be fair, um, to really get to know these people at all, um, you know, if you talk to someone for for fifteen minutes one on one, even though it's a media setting, um, you maybe get a little better sense of of how real they are. Uh, and I think he's exactly, you know, what you see is what you get. So uh, for Maryland, I'm, I'm sure that's it's better the than, thing. Better than Randy Edsel faking it and faking it pretty badly. Uh, we also have Matt Allentuck here who does not care about football but does care quite a lot about basketball. And uh, it was an interesting weekend for Maryland basketball, wasn't it? Uh, something. It was something. Maryland got hit with a little bit of reality. Should I say that uh, Bob Wischusen participating in the flash bomb was actually the best part about Saturday's game? Uh, yeah, there were, ma- there were many, there were many good parts. All you had to do was look over to the little booth. I mean, it's hard to see from where the media area is, but yes, there was on the TV coverage. And then I tweeted at him about that, and he kind of responded with a, a wry smile, whatever you can do that with a tweet. Yeah, it was interesting because the game itself didn't go very well. I'm gonna, we're gonna start the discussion by talking about this. Maryland, as you tweeted, Alex, during the game, has made an art form of winning games despite playing pretty badly. For once, and finally, I guess you could say. House the cards, I guess, fell down. And it fell down in kind of a spectacular way. Maryland went on a 12-0 run early in the first half and then didn't score for like eight minutes or nine minutes from the field. It was really bad. Alex, are you surprised this happened at all? Or more specifically, are you surprised it happened against the team it happened against? Uh, yeah, I am. And maybe I shouldn't have been because this is now seven in a row for Wisconsin. Um, but I, I had figured that Maryland would, would not have much trouble um, with this team and or really with any team at home the rest of the year. Um, I, I was talking about it like it was preordained fact that Maryland was going to run its home winning streak from 27 to 30 games. 
Um, and Wisconsin just, it didn't seem like a really brutal matchup for Maryland. I mean, they didn't have, you know, they didn't play a guy taller than 6'9". Um, they don't defend three-pointers very well. Um, they don't do anything in particular really that well. Um, and they don't have, you know, anybody that you need to game plan against um, like they did with Frank Kaminsky and, and Sam Decker last year. So that Wisconsin um, put that kind of beating on Maryland. And, and remember, Maryland was up 14-7 to uh, early in the first half and then lost by 20 from that point on at home um it, it was just really shocking Matt, i guess the height issue and maryland not being able to play against teams smaller than them or having issues with teams smaller than them is a trend we have been noting for a while and it came back to bite them we saw even against northwestern and wisconsin the first time maryland should have really been beating them by a lot more and let a team let those kind of teams hang around and then today they let them hang around too long and eventually even when they started playing better they dug themselves way too deep of a hole yeah, it was it was definitely bizarre. Uh, Turgeon, obviously, all year has been talking about his double big lineups, and he loves to play you know as many bigs as possible. But uh, it, it may be more advantageous for Maryland to start looking into some smaller lineups and seeing you know the damage that they can do with uh, you know maybe Rob Carter playing the five or in situations, or Jake Lehman you know slotting down to the four and stuff like that. Especially when they're playing teams who are smaller, like Wisconsin. But it was a truly bizarre game because Maryland had the height and didn't really use it uh most of the most of the shots were taken by Trimble and Suleiman uh and Trimble obviously shot pretty awfully and it was interesting not enough touches for Diamond in the post or Rob or it, it was it was scattered as we said it had become a bit of a trend that we've seen Maryland not use the bigs on the offensive side of the floor against teams that are smaller I remember noting this against a team like Ryder all the way back in November and was kind of surprised by it Alex, did did Wisconsin do anything specifically that took Maryland's offense away in the paint and with their big men, which is something that other teams are going to game plan against and good teams can scheme to take away? I think they had they had Robert Carter in some foul trouble, um, and that certainly doesn't hurt. He only played 22 minutes, uh, and that's really really low for him this season. Um, you know, I, I think most of us would agree that he is Maryland's probably best big man. In it as good as Diamond Stone is at sometimes, um, You know, Carter's been sort of the guy for Maryland this year um, at a lot of points when Melo Trimble hasn't been. And when he's sitting on the bench, that really makes them a lot less dynamic. It takes away uh, a post presence that's also become a perimeter shooting presence in Big Ten play uh, and just makes Maryland's offense a lot less tricky to deal with and a lot uh, easier to handle in the post. I guess there's something else that you just reminded me of. He had gotten huge foul trouble against Nebraska, and that's another team that had no height whatsoever. And Maryland should have really, in theory, blown them out and never could pull away from them until the very, very end. Did you see any trends or things that reminded you of past games like that one against Nebraska where Robert Carter had early foul trouble and barely played? It's interesting because it feels like some games um, Maryland does a really good job um, of getting whistles or not getting whistles when it needs them or doesn't need them, depending on what side of the floor they're on. Um, you know, Carter got caught a little bit tight against Wisconsin, and that's just the reality of how how the sport goes sometimes. Um, but no, it was weird because you know you, you kind of thought even uh, when Carter was on the floor, you know, Maryland at points looked like it was taking advantage of the fact that it was a lot bigger than Wisconsin. Uh, I think they had nine blocks on on defense, and Wisconsin only had one or two. Um, and it looked, you know, anytime you throw the ball into Carter or to Stone against like Ethan Happ or, or Vito Brown, you know, you're, you're feeling okay about that matchup, um, as good as those players are. And Brown had a great game against Maryland. Um, so it didn't make a lot of sense to me um, either, you know, just based on the matchup or based on what we'd seen in past games. Because typically, 
you know, Maryland bigs have, have, have been money this year, and they, they certainly weren't in this particular game. Matt, is there any, like, inside basketball reasons, schematic reasons that mere mortals wouldn't understand? Is there any reason why Wisconsin was able to do that better than uh, Northwestern or Nebraska or other teams we talked about, aside from having better personnel? Uh, if there's anything notable, I mean, the, the most notable statistic that I feel like not enough people are talking about is probably Mellow Trimble shooting one for 14, which is just, you know, a number that we've never seen come out of him. And I'm not even sure if there was a schematic reason from Wisconsin, you know, that, as to why he shot that poorly. I talked to Nigel Hayes and Vito Brown, you know, about it afterwards. And they kept saying the same things about, you know, they want to put more pressure on him. They know what he can do. And even looking back and seeing the shot selection Trimble had, he didn't take many bad shots. Shots just didn't fall. I mean, he was open for a number of them. Some of them he was trying to force contact and didn't get the calls, but they were even, you know, layups that he usually finishes. Mel Trimble is shooting worse than he, than he did a year ago. And everything else pretty much has jumped up from him. He's still rebounding pretty well. He's passing much better. He's defending noticeably better against point guards. Uh, his shot has just been a question mark, and his shot looks flat. Uh, he seems, to, you know, his confidence is wavering at times. He passed up on a couple of uh, threes towards the end. It, it's just, it's Trimble got to figure himself out. So let's ask the question, what's wrong with Melo Trimble? We'll ask it with different ways. I do remember during the game seeing a question that somebody asked him whether he's hurt or not. I can't tell if he is. I doubt he is. Uh, but Alex, Matt just told us what he thinks is up with Melo Trimble and why he's not shooting very well. This is a trend we've seen in recent games, and that Michigan game, when he scored two points, turned out to be a bit of an omen. And Maryland usually gets enough scoring to pick up the slack, and they kind of did on Saturday, but really overall they didn't. What's wrong with Melo Trimble in your mind? I think he's a little bit hurt. Uh, he, oh, so he you're going to go with uh, the, the Twitter conspiracy theory? No, it's not a conspiracy theory. I mean, he had mentioned um, at, at media availability on Thursday, which we had Ryan Connors at, uh, that he's been getting a lot of extra treatment um, beyond what's the norm for him. Um, he takes a big beating almost every game. Um, you know, I don't think we've ever seen a Maryland basketball player who spends more time on his butt than Melo Tribble. Um, and, and he plays a ton of minutes. Um, I, I was actually uh, meaning to look deeper into this uh, today and haven't gotten a chance yet, but Melo Trimble and Rashid Suleiman both have played just an enormous chunk of time uh, for Maryland this year. Several games worth, you know, several 40-minute interval games uh, more than anybody else on this team. Um, and Melo Trimble's been doing that really for two seasons now, and he also played a lot of basketball over the summer with Team USA. Um, I think it's it's possible that his body's just not um, – you know, just not perfect right now. He's not at 100, percent and and that that could be um, even even what you'd expect given the the workload that he's had to handle. Do you think that's why he's not driving to the basket as much as we saw a year ago, and he's settling for more outside shots? I actually think he's started to drive to the basket much more recently than he had been. I mean, obviously his free throw attempts are way down this year, and that that's been disconcerting. Um, but he has, uh, I don't think, gotten a ton of calls, and, and he's a guy who um, this kind of became a thing last year too because people thought that uh, maybe he had done a little too good of a job selling um, when he when he had gotten to the basket um, he had a couple plays against Wisconsin he did get to the line in that game you know eight or ten times um, but a couple of plays where he just you know got got walloped on his way to the basket by defenders whose feet weren't set um, and there were no whistles and, and sometimes in the Big Ten um, that's just kind of the way the way games go um, the flow of officiating it's it's not always the same although I do think the league's referees are pretty good I think if if I can jump in just because yes, I, I want to bounce off what Alex is saying, it's interesting to think about that because he did get a ton of uh, Trimble. I'm talking about got a lot of foul calls last year, and I almost wonder if he has almost the 
James Harden sort of effect also. Because if you notice, when Trimble drives to the rim, he likes to throw his elbows in and then almost, you know, nod his head upwards as to, you know, simulate that he got hit in the jaw or hit in the face or something like that. And I wonder, you know, if Big Ten referees have looked back at tape from a year ago, tried to see, hey, this guy's been to the free throw line a hell of a lot more than a lot of other players. Why is that? Maybe, maybe referees are starting to pick up on something like that. I don't know. Uh, it does seem that Trimble isn't getting as many calls. The reason, couldn't tell you, but just a theory. It's as good as theory as anything I could think of. If he was in the ACC, he'd still be getting to the free throw line quite a bit, though. I think that's pretty obvious. You were talking about how Rashid Suleiman and Melo Trimble have had to play a ton of minutes because of Maryland's lack of guard depth. It did come out today that any hope of Deion Wiley returning this season was squashed by Mark Turgeon. Today being Monday that, afternoon. That had been, that had been, I mean, we yeah, had, that was pretty well known. I, I know I it was, was, but there's somebody somewhere that thought there was a slight, slight, slight chance. But anyway, one of the things that we were wondering is who was going to be that guard depth. It hasn't been Jared Nickens. Varun Rahm was apparently the answer for a little bit on defense. But we saw a lot more Jalen Brantley in this game. And the only thing notable from Bowie State, other than Alex not actually covering the game in the media row, was Jalen Brantley playing a career high in minutes and actually looking pretty effective in it. Uh, Matt, you were there. I was there. It was, I thought, coming into that game, it was basically Jalen Brantley's last chance to make an impression this season and get minutes. He got the most important bench minutes of any guard uh, in that game against Wisconsin, and he took advantage of it at times. That said, has to be the, one of the few positive signs we took from that game. Yeah, I thought, I thought Jalen played very well against Wisconsin. And he finally, Wisconsin was the first game where he was subbed in before Varun Ram in months. I don't remember the last time that happened. I thought it was interesting just because I can, I can remember a play in my head now where the shot clock was winding down and uh, a ball got tipped out to Jalen Brandley. And instead of panicking or deferring to Melo Trimble or Rashid Suleiman, which we'd seen him do, he understood he had to take it to the rim. And not that he had to do a whole hell of a lot of work, but... He was able to do a quick in and out and get to the rim and finish over a bigger defender. And he, you know, he had four points on four shots, missed an open three, but again, at least took another good look. Uh, I think Jalen Brantley is coming along just fine, especially, you know, he's going to be a much bigger piece next year. But this year, he's got to step up. Obviously, Deion Wiley isn't coming back. I think Jalen Brantley has shown that he can play meaningful minutes. So hopefully, we see a steady increase as time goes on and Maryland's playing a couple of weaker opponents in the next. A few weeks until the Big Ten tournament, and hopefully we see him step up. Alex, do you think we're going to see finally more Jalen Brantley than Varun Rahm? We have speculated why we're not seeing Brantley. It's because of his defense. But with the performance against Wisconsin and being really the only spark plug Maryland had coming off the bench, is this finally the time when we see Jalen Brantley emerge as the quote-unquote six man? You know, we like to we like to try to identify patterns um, in how Mark Turgeon deploys his guys. Uh, I think he's always been more of a matchup guy than a this-is-how-he's-been-playing guy, and there are some exceptions to that. Um, but I really do think it's going to be something that depends on matchups. I mean, I think when you when you get to Big Ten tournament time or, or particularly when you see um, you know Maryland playing against some of the lower echelon Big Ten teams who it might be worried Thursday about just kind of Thursday, basically, being an example of that, um, where Maryland just needs to defend a little bit. Um, I still think you're going to see Rom before Brantley. Um, but when you see tighter games um, where Maryland really needs a little offensive boost, um, like the one they're going to play against Purdue. Um, or Indiana. Certainly, certainly Indiana, although I think with Indiana, um, you don't, I don't know if you really want um, Brantley guarding Yogi yes. Ferrell, which would be the outcome. But, um, you know, Minnesota's, Minnesota's terrible. I mean, and this is an absolutely awful team. So we can, we can forget Minnesota, and you can pretty much forget Illinois. 
Um, but the other three games they have left with Michigan, Purdue, and Indiana, I think um, those will be those will be interesting matchups. And I don't know. I mean, it, it really Turgeon Turgeon sees what he likes, and he's done this with Michael Chakovsky for years. Um, where if, if Maryland's playing a team that plays small ball, you know, Checo won't sit, or excuse me, he won't play. Um, but then he'll get lots of minutes against teams that are bigger. And I think, you know, he'll he'll evaluate based on based on what he sees in the roster composition of the other team. I'd say that too. Uh, the player of the game, as has been the trend recently, has been Rashid Suleiman. He was great against Wisconsin, great against Purdue, which unfortunately we're not going to get a chance to talk about all that much now that it's been colored by the terrible Wisconsin game. Uh, just how well Maryland played against Purdue, especially towards the end. Uh, Rashid Suleiman, is there anything left, Matt, that we haven't said about him? Uh, every time you watch him, you keep seeing him do stuff that you might not have expected him to do at the start of the season. He led all Maryland scorers with 17 points. He was the spark plug on offense when he has to run the point he does so effectively. Is there anything left to say about Rashid Suleiman? Uh, Rashid, I won't. Don't forget, Rashid did go through a little rough patch for each. He, he, he did. He did. He but had, at that yeah. point, Melo Trimble and other players were scoring. And now that Melo Trimble's perfor- uh, performance has dropped a bit, Rashid Suleiman's has picked up. Yeah, I mean, Rashid's been great. Rashid's been pretty much everything Maryland wanted. And then, you know, a little more when you add on top, you know, the leadership aspect he's putting on behind the scenes because him and Rob Carter really do spearhead the leadership effort as far as that team goes. And Rashid's been great. I mean, Rashid stepped up. When Mallow hasn't been hitting, he's been taking a couple of shots that make you think, holy crap, you know, why is he taking that shot? The, but they're, the, uh, they're the, going uh, in. Yeah, the uh, no, 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 yes yeah, he's, shots. He's, he's king of a couple of those, but he seems to be comfortable with that off-balance kind of fading shot, and he stepped up in, in a few big occasions. He definitely was really the only player to consistently show up against Wisconsin. Uh, he's provided a little bit of time at the point guard when, you know, Maryland hasn't really had anybody who's been comfortable dribbling the ball up the court. I mean, Rashid's been great, uh, better than anyone probably could have ever pictured. And right now, Alex, he's basically the reason why Maryland hasn't lost more games uh, than they would have with Melo Trimble playing worse than you thought or in a bit of a rut or however you want to say it. Is there anything you haven't said about Rashid Suleiman you'd like to say? No, nothing really. I mean, it matches some to that pretty well. I mean, he's really important uh, for Maryland. And I think without him, I mean, you know, it's funny because we looked at him as the cherry on top of this Maryland Sunday when he um, committed uh, from Duke uh, last spring. And, and, you know, you thought, oh, well, Maryland would have been a national title contender even without him. He was just, you know, a nice, a nice addition that really puts him over the top. Um, Maryland would be in really, really bad shape without him given what's happened to Jared Nickens, um, pretty much shooting-wise, falling off a cliff in the last couple yeah. of weeks, mm-hmm. um, and with Deion Wiley being injured. so And Jalen Brantley not um, quite being ready to be a consistent you know, presence as a backup point guard. He's been, um, in a lot of ways, really the, the most important player on the team. Yes, so we look at the Big Ten now briefly, and thanks to Indiana getting walloped at Michigan State after beating Iowa, The Big Ten is very cannibalistic at the top. Maryland's still second. They controlled their own destiny for a glorious 48 hours before giving it up. I I find it hard to think that Maryland is going to win the conference outright in the regular season because the way way they're playing now, I think they'll win their two home games. I think they'll beat Michigan, and I think they'll beat Illinois. I hope they beat Minnesota because if they lose, then you have the right to panic. Uh, And I don't think they get both road games at Purdue and Indiana. I think that would be a really tough ask if they did, and that would be incredibly impressive. Yeah. Uh, which would mean Iowa would have to go 3-2 and two and their schedule's easier. So they're looking at a two-seed probably in the Big Ten tournament, maybe a three if things go wrong. But I don't think, yeah, again, that's not horrible. They just lost five games, which I didn't even realize until— So has Michigan State. 
I mean, yeah. we've known Michigan State's I mean, lost five. That's the thing. Yeah, Mich- Maryland is still uh, sitting pretty for a double bye, which is really, I mean, you know, like you want to win the conference tournament. Like that's a fun thing to say. Um, you know, it's nice to make those declarative statements as I did um, when they, when, when Iowa lost Indiana. Um, oh, you know, you're the favorite now in the regular season. What really matters is that you get the double bye um, so, you can, so you can have a better chance to win the tournament. And Maryland's still uh, not, not certainly, but highly likely is going to have that. That would be sure because, Matt, everybody plays everybody. And is there anything from the Big Ten's recent plays? We just started to see the good teams play each other. Hello, Indiana. Uh, is there anything from those teams' play that you've taken note of that we should be thinking about as Maryland fans? Uh, I mean, we've seen most of the top talent, right? Maryland's beaten Purdue. I haven't Maryland. seen Indiana yet. And in, yeah, I mean, Indiana really, is basically what you'd expect them to be, which is in one game they're great, and in the next game they don't shoot well, and hello, they're terrible. Yeah, they're they're a bit sporadic, but uh, Indiana aside, Maryland's seen everything else, and they've beaten Iowa, and they've beaten Purdue, and they know what they need to adjust against Michigan State and what was you know a winnable outing for them. Maryland stands as still one of the debatable top, what, three teams in the conference, and you know we'll see how the Big Ten tournament shapes up. But even if Maryland slips down to, let's say, the three seed, who knows who they're going to play? Like, not necessarily the top-ranked teams in the country are going to be the top-ranked teams in the Big Ten standings as far as seeding goes. Well, the top-ranked teams, when you get to the NCAA tournament, Maryland was, what, eighth in the country last year? We got a four seed. Right, right. But what I'm saying is, you know, it... The seeding... You know, Maryland being the number one seed in the Big Ten tournament might... You know, they might be better off being the number three seed they might face better teams as they go along if they were to advance in the in the conference tournament and that's what's going to be important because those wins are crucial right before selection sunday so i mean maryland i think it's too early to even write them off as you know as they can't if it's too early to say that they're definitely not number one seeds in the tournament because they still have the big 10 tournament left and two and three seeds are very doable and well, it's the Big Ten tournament, and I think it's likelier than not that they find you know probably like the number four overall seed because um, t- you know traditionally uh, you win the Big Ten tournament, you're either like the top the top number two seed or, or one of the last number one seeds. I think Maryland is still very much in play for that. I mean, Absolutely. even in a year like this where everybody's pretty even, seeding doesn't quite matter as much. But then I saw somebody posit that Kentucky could be a four, and then Wichita State could be an eight or nine seed in your region, and that would be terrible. For and it matters for geography. And, and well, matters- well, Maryland, if they get, as long as they don't fall completely out of the picture, they're going to play in Brooklyn in the first and second rounds, probably no matter what, because they uh, give you know, highest- they you thought that last priority. year. You thought that last year, and they wound up playing. But yeah, but that's because they a were a road game, basically in Columbus against West Virginia in the but second that's round. That's because they play. A, that's because they were a four. If they're a two, they're going to play in Brooklyn with Villanova, more than likely. I care about more where they play in the Sweet Sixteen if they get there, because that if they go to Philly, it's a home game for me, and that would be fantastic. But that's just me, and you should really care about what I think as much. Well, you should because I have the podcast and edit it. But anyway. <laughs> Regardless of that, let's preview the next couple of games. Minnesota on the road. The only thing cool about that is where they play. The barn is really awesome, I've heard, and it looks pretty cool on TV. But Minnesota is awful. The only reason why you don't hear more about them is because Rutgers is incredibly more terrible than Minnesota is. I don't even know. It's a, it's a great <laughs> debate. That's a great debate. They're going to play You know, they're going to play each other. Two times. Uh, they're going to play each other as 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 winless teams, which is really vomit, which is vomit. Oh, if you're a basketball sadist, please watch that. You move from the best NBA all-star weekend ever to watching Rutgers and Minnesota play twice. 
That's going to be amazing. They are they are a combined zero uh, and twenty five, I believe. Rutgers has won two conference games since they've come to the Big Ten. Maryland fans panicking at twenty two and four. Oh yeah, that's that's the thing. Well, Richard- and it should be pointed out that Maryland, um, all three times Maryland has played Rutgers in the Big Ten, Maryland has been in legitimate danger of losing that game at points in the second half, which I just find uh, interesting. Rutgers, not in the second half of the game this year. Was it? Were they, wasn't I told? Now I was out of the country when that game happened. No, no, no. no, no, no. no I could have sworn God, that Matt so Allen talked, don't, told don't me that it was a close game at some point. Oh, don't blame me for this. I'm not blaming you. Don't worry. I'm it's blaming like, him. I'm, Alex I'm, I'm resolving myself. Uh, it's 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 somebody somewhere that said it. Okay, it's Dave Tucker. He's not here. We can blame him for that. Let's talk <laughs> about Minnesota. They're terrible, but it's a road game. It's basically Minnesota's Super Bowl, quote unquote. They don't play anybody else that amazing the rest of the year. It's at home. You're playing a top ten team. You're going to give it your best shot. Maryland, I think with the five-day break and this being the game off a loss, it's as good as it could possibly be. And I'm also a subscriber to the get-your-bad-game-out-of-the-way-early theory as opposed to everything else. I, I don't see any way Maryland loses this game, but what should we be looking for in terms of Maryland's performance that you want to see against Minnesota? Do they have anybody notable? Who needs to step up besides the obvious? Uh, Alex, you can go first. Uh, well, you'd expect them to not give up very many points. Um, you, you'd really like them to... Ideally, keep this team um, down somewhere in the 60s, um, despite it being on the road. I mean, Minnesota has three guys and who average, well, four guys if you round up, who average double figures, um, but nobody averaging more than like 13 or 14 points. By that, you um, mean- and nobody, and nobody who's really very efficient. Um, they, you know, they don't have um, guys who make a ton of shots. They're one of the worst shooting teams in the country, actually. Um, and one big thing is that they are a terrible offensive rebounding team. Well, that's music um, to our ears, isn't it? So for Maryland, which has given up a lot of offensive rebounds, um, this team is, uh, as I look at it right now, 299th out of 351 teams in offensive rebounding rate. Uh, Maryland really better seal up the glass against the goal. That, that would be important. Uh, anything for you, Matt? Because I thought last week's Bowie State game was a midseason exhibition tune-up game. This kind of is, too, when you consider how terrible Minnesota is, but it's a conference game on the road. Uh, is there anything more you could take from that and other than, please don't lose, please God don't lose? No, well, I mean, Bowie State was more of a, let's see, you know, what Jalen Brantley and Michael Tchaikovsky can do, and Minnesota's, Minnesota's obviously a much tougher opponent. But what I think is going to be the most important thing is that Mark Turgeon really has to get this offense together because we're hitting mid-February, and it's still not nearly where it should be. I mean, it's hard to argue that, you know, Maryland, Maryland has four, four players in their starting lineup, take away for Jake Lehman, who can probably beat number one scorers on just about any other non-ranked team. I mean, just, they just have incredible talent that hasn't really found a way to, stuck to, to stick together yet. So I'd like to see Mark Turgeon get some definitive rotations in, maybe throw in some new play sets and, and figure out, you know, what might be the right thing to do. Diamondstone coming off the bench again. Really should be, you know, experimented with again. Yeah, I think, and, and this is the kind of game in which you can afford to do that. This is definitely, yeah, it's definitely a game he can experiment with and try to figure things out, uh, you know, before the Big, ter- Big Ten tournament hits. Well, and you got three tough games after that, which the first one we'll talk uh, we about. should note. We should note just real quickly that Minnesota did uh, stay within four points of Iowa on the road this weekend. So you know, you never know. I mean, Maryland could. Um, I wouldn't put it past Maryland to be sluggish enough to at least have it be a game. That I, I'm assuming it's going to be. Very well Trust today. Me. I, I've seen we've seen enough Maryland games now in our times covering and being fans of this team where they'll make bad games much closer than they should be. Michigan on Sunday is interesting because Maryland gets second crack at a team they lost to on the road and 
arguably did not play very well. Played their worst game of the season up until Wisconsin. Uh, Karis Levert's back for Michigan, which is going to give Maryland another huge matchup problem. And Michigan's really a, a much better team than they were, and they just beat Purdue. Uh, they were a better team when Maryland played them back in early January when they hadn't beaten anybody worth their salt yet. It's a home game, so Maryland in theory should play better, but that theory, but that's also been debunked. Uh, what does Maryland need to do differently against Michigan, Alex? Uh, make shots, you know. Well, obviously uh, that. I think, but... I think the last time this was another one of those games when I was out of the game. country, um, but that was one of Melo's worst games. Um, not coincidentally, you know, Maryland's two worst losses have been Melo's two worst games. I think those those things are are more causation than correlation. Um, but it'll be you know it'll be tough. I mean, Michigan's really good. Karras is really good. Um, and they have athletes. I mean, Zach Irvin, Aubrey Dawkins, um, Muhammad Ali, Abdur Rahman, I believe is, is yes. the pronunciation the there. Um, he can jump out of the gym as well. Um, so they're, they're a really good team um, and definitely going to be a hard one, uh, even at home. Matt? Yeah, a lot of it's going to be mellow again. Uh, I remember this game sticks out as, as the one game where I remember saying, oh, mellow, you know, write this game off because mellow struggled. It won't happen again. And then Wisconsin happened. So, uh, well, it getting, wasn't like he was great against Purdue. He had some troubles from the field then, but got no. But Mel, uh, any other guys pick him up in a different definitely way. Definitely, Michigan was notable though uh, for you know how poor he played. And getting him back on track is just going to be so important. And maybe, you know, maybe rotations have to have to switch a little bit, see who he plays better around, and and you know everything's got to work off Mello. Over under, how much does Jalen Brantley play on Thursday? Ten minutes. Over under. Over. Over, Matt. Yeah, I'm going to go with the over. Also, he played I think ten that, against Wisconsin. I think I think he's going to get more minutes than Verona Ram going forward. Then does that happen against Michigan? Because Michigan's way better and has much more athletic and talent. Probably guard. less. I guess less against Michigan. I would put the over under at five for Michigan. No offense, I'm to gonna, Brantley. Just uh, saying. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, uh, what Turgeon tends to do is against the tougher opponents, keep that lineup shorter. So. You know, he might only go seven or eight guys deep as opposed to the full nine. Well, he went 10 deep against Wisconsin and the biggest minute total off the bench with Jared Nickens with 12. And I just want to be on record, too, that uh, Maryland will be playing in some, you know, regional game like Sweet 16, Elite Eight, who does maybe Final Four. Jalen Brantley is going to go full Spike Albrecht <laughs> in, a game, in a game like that. I'm just oh, saying. Mallory Trimble had 2,000 in the first half. I'm just saying. Uh, I have this. I have this weird feeling that um, he's gonna cook one day and just and just do a lot. We'll see. Can, can he dance? We need to see Jalen dance on, oh, on the court. Oh, that would be good. Him cutting down the nets. He's a he's a shorter guy. He's gonna have to get up to the top step of that ladder. Uh, there was one thing that I wish I had. A, we did a podcast last week to mention. Maryland football was doing open tryouts, and Alex, I think you suggested <laughs> to anybody who wants to do it and then write a story for us, they should do that. Now I have to recuse myself because my friend. The sport, the football editor from the Michigan Daily, he knows exactly who he is, and he's not listening. But if he is, hi, you're a much better writer than I am. He did that and did it way better than I could ever do it. And if I did it, I would be looking like I ripped him off. So I'm recusing myself from that. Uh, Alex has done already a number of great things, but I have a great idea for who should do that if we're still thinking about it. I have a great suggestion for who should do it. I'm thinking about somebody who isn't a big fan of the sport of football. Uh, doesn't like it as much as some of the other the rest of us do. Uh, Matt Allen talk. Hi. Oh, wait. I, uh, why was I openly talking about something like that? Uh, I'm sorry. I thought the mic was closed. 
All right, all right. I like football. Let's let's set that straight. It's not that I don't like football. Basketball is just the sport I'm focused on. Well, that's fine, but that should still mean that you should do the tryout. Uh, I don't think my 5'9", 135-pound self is going to last very long. But... but it would be funnier and it would be different. This story has been done by everybody in every sort of publication ever. Just making that clear. So if we want to do it, we have to make it different and stand out. So Twiggy, Matt Allen Tuck, who doesn't like football as much as some of the rest of us do, trying out for Maryland football would be amazing. Uh, yeah, you would try out for be a kicker. It'd be something. Like, right? uh, yeah, yeah, I would see... love it. We will see where it goes. Oh. oh I would love it. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, did you guys hear that? What? What was that? Oh, that's good. Sorry. We're going to gonna have to edit this one, and maybe we don't. I, a video started playing on my computer, and I thought it must have made a sound for you guys. I'm glad you didn't hear don't it. Don't worry. It's on my end where that stuff would happen. And maybe I won't edit that out because this podcast is short, and I like banter. This has been fun, yeah. Hashtag bants. We'll go, go, go for the soccer tweets, everybody. You know how much that is. Uh, quickly, any thoughts on Kanye having a mental breakdown on Twitter? Is that what it was? I don't know. Uh, I thought it was a mental breakdown, or he was asking for money, which I guess can be both. I'm sure. I'm sure he'll be fine. Pat, uh, <laughs> what about Kanye? The dude's insane. I thought he was going to tweet about. I think he knows what he's doing. I don't know if he's insane. You have to be some sort of cynic, and I am a cynic to believe that, but I, I think he's kind of gone off the rail, but that's okay. I, the, the way you know he's going to go off the rail, if he starts tweeting that pro-rail is good for America. And that's the cue that this podcast is over, because nobody other than one person listening to this show is going to get that show. Anyway, thank you, Alex, and thank you, Matt, for coming back on. It's been a while since we've done this podcast, and I've been pestering you for about a week to get this done. Sorry about that. Well, it's always a pleasure. Uh, Always. I know how much you love doing this, and we were snowed in today, so it makes perfect sense. <laughs> uh, enjoy this show. We will be back next week when we'll have more basketball to talk about. Hopefully, Maryland will look better then, and uh, we'll have more sports to talk about because, let's see, lacrosse season will have begun by then, men's lacrosse, because College Park's not Siberia, and we'll have more fun to talk about. And Maryland women's basketball is good, so if you feel depressed, go watch them play. They're pretty awesome. Tatori Walker Kimbrough is amazing. Anyway. That's terrific. That is the end of this show. Enjoy your snow day, and of course, go Terps.